0: Trent. I'll never be your beast bird. All right, everybody. We are back with a little Rolling Stones action for you right there. Uh, John Cannon coming up uh, on the NBA and what to look forward to for the fourth time in the NBA Finals between Cleveland and Golden State. You know, Trent, uh, I-, I know that We'll have a good conversation with him about that. Mm-hmm. To be to be honest with you, I was kind of hoping that Houston would have upset them just so we had a different look in the final. Where were you on that?
1: You know, I well, I always joke every single year, Jim. <laughs> Wake me up when we get to June and we get Cavs yes, Warriors. <laughs> <that, laughs> yeah, you know, that there's there was a part of me of that though. I've told you before, I'm not a big Rockets fan. I'm not a big James Harden fan. I don't like the way that he plays. In a way, yes, and more than anything, it was because Cleveland, or even before we knew is going to be Cleveland, the Celtics. I just thought it'd be a lot better series. I mean, it feels inevitable now that we're looking at a sweep, right. maybe five games, LeBron steals game three or four, and that's it. Where if it is Houston, regardless of what Chris Paul is, you're going to get a compelling series. So, yeah, from that avenue, absolutely, but this is the best the league's going to give you, right? This is going to be yeah. the best teams out there and, well, the best player on the other side with LeBron. Still, I'm not so much that I'm out on Warriors-Cavs number four, but New Blood, yeah, I I think I could have, just because I think we would have got a much more compelling series.
0: I'm I'm with you on that, yes. I just think it would have been, and I think the storylines probably would have been interesting as well. We've seen this storyline before, and it'll be interesting to see if indeed, if the fighting LeBrons can get anything going and and that fast-paced Golden State offense. All right, uh, we'll get into all of that with with John Cannon. You know, the the hockey game is set for tomorrow night. It'll be game two. And to be honest with you, partner, I just hope that game two can live up to what game one was because after they dropped the puck, man, oh, man, oh, man, was there some high-flying going on in that hockey game.
1: You're exactly right. It, it was uh, up and down. You get scoring going on. and Mark Andre Fleury, who had had that Vegas team on his back, he he let them slide by and the, the one off the post in the third period. yeah this this could have been even worse. not not a great performance. And really, even though they score six goals and it sounds a little silly. It wasn't a great performance, I thought overall, out of Vegas. And if they play the way that we've seen throughout the Western Conference playoffs, i I think they jump out to a two nothing lead and. And then from there, the pressure goes right back to Washington and what they're going to be able to do. I, I'm the the Vegas story is all well and good, Jim, but it, I'm not as excited for this playoff, this Stanley Cup final, as I was last year. La- last year it was Nashville, and I mean, you talk about not having a hockey base at all. That's Nashville. I was yeah, more excited yeah. about what we had last year, though. I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just the expansion and seeing a team that hasn't gone through the plight of a fan. They've never had the heartbreaking fashion. They've never had any of this. And, no, none and as, of that. No. As somebody that is a fan, Jimmy B, maybe that's why I've soured on this a little bit.
0: <laughs> They've never had the heartbreak of getting their right, guts yeah. ripped out in the final four seconds of a game. I I get you on that. I never looked at it from that perspective. All I know is is that the entire Las Vegas community has attached themselves to this team, and... You know who was sitting down right on the glass in last night's game? Oh, it's that Los Angeles, not Los Angeles, Oakland Raiders owner? Yeah, that's right. He was sitting right down in a front row seat on the glass, soaking it all in and being just a fan. Can you imagine what will happen to Las Vegas, Trent, now that they have such a successful hockey team? And then when the Raiders show up the following season in that brand new building. I mean that city is going to explode
1: sports wise, don't you think? They gotta be good though, don't they? I mean it's it's one Well they're thing. decent, they're competitive, yeah, they're competitive. Right, but It's,
0: it's the NFL. It's the NFL though.
1: No, I, I get it, Jim, but if they're go if we go into December and they're sitting at, at four and eight are people oh, really going to kick you know, it's, yeah, this has been first
0: year. The first year. Yes. First year. Yes. You won't be able to get a ticket first.
1: Season. Right. But, but down the road, because it is such a transient community and, and the NFL with eight home games throughout the course of the season. I just wonder if, if the Raiders are just, ho-hum. remember before two years ago, that was a mess of an organization. They were yes. year after year, terrible. Yeah. And if they continue down that path, regardless of the amount of money that's going in there and what they're going to get for for Skybox and Suite and everything else, Jim, I'm just left wondering, what are you going to get out of this? Is it with that fan base you're going to look up in a 60,000-seat building that they have there and it's 35,000 visiting fans? That would be my concern from the Vegas Raiders' perspective.
0: Well, I I get where you're coming from there, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I, I just have a feeling that that area is so professional sports crazed lunatics that they will attach themselves just like they did to the hockey team, and they'll attach themselves to the Raiders as well. All right, we're going to get into the NBA. John Cannon is coming up, everybody. You've heard him on the show many times. John Cannon... On what took place last night and the upcoming NBA final between the Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Coming up next on the Big Talker, 1700. You found your home for real sports talk for real sports fans. 1700 KBGG. Welcome back, everybody. We continue all the way to 6 o'clock tonight. Don't forget, high school baseball comes your way with Trent at around 7 this evening on the Big Talker 1700. Uh, we're going to say hello now to John Cannon, uh, NBA guru, or at least he kind of fancies himself as that. Uh, but it's always fun when John comes on the show, and rightfully so now, as we have episode 4 of the Warriors and the Cavaliers. John, how are you, pal? And didn't you enjoy last night's game well it was really funny i thought i was watching a rerun um <laughs> yeah.
2: game six and seven were just so similar that it was uh it was it was weird but i, I i'll tell you i really feel um proud to be a, a fan of this team the warriors in, in a way that um that i really hadn't been before you know i had been a fan and, and proud that they were so doggone good you know um But last night, they weren't good, you know, most of the time. (laughs) And really, in game six, they weren't good. And really, for the whole series, you could make a case that they maybe put, you know, five or six quarters together over the course of the seven games. And it was barely enough to win. But it was enough to win, you know. And they don't hand out style points, you be, in this stuff. They want to know who won. They write that down. Mm -hmm. And then if you won, you get to go keep playing until somebody hands you a trophy at the end. So uh, they won. They won by enough. And uh, they certainly got a lot of help from Houston. Um, And so that's why I'm saying the the pride is not, wow, they just played so well and and, and beat this really good team. They played well enough to beat a team, to stay out of the way of a team that seemed destined to just implode.
1: It it was uh, a great third quarter once again. John, it, do you have a theory why this team plays so well in the third quarter and, and why they go on these ridiculous runs after seeming, seemingly throughout the uh, first half? Oh, ho-hum, we'll, we'll be fine. What is it about the third quarter?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting because it's really been that way the whole time, especially starting, I'd say, in year two of this four-year deal. And I, I have to share with you guys, I read this really hysterical tweet uh, last night that said the Warriors and Cavs are going to meet in the finals for the first time since 2017. And for only the fourth time since 2016. <laughs> it was a very funny way to package up, you know, this, uh, this repeating meal here that we keep being served. But anyway, um, I think what it is, is obviously it's their, it's their number one unit starts the game and starts the third quarter. Uh, and with, uh, you know, with the injuries they've had, it hasn't always been you know, the guys that, that you would expect. But it's, it's always the best guys that they have. And I think in the first quarter, the other team, especially on the road, is just really amped up. And for some reason, in the third quarter, it's just not the same. The other team does not have that energy coming out. They, they really get it together in the first quarter to meet that Warriors frenzy. And, and for some reason, they, I think it has more to do with the opponents than it does with the Warriors themselves. I really do. I think there are more opportunities for open shots. Other teams are not rotating as well. Other teams maybe not moving the ball as well, and, the, and the Warriors are able to to play better defense. I, I think that's that's what it, it's the same groups that played against each other in the first quarter, and and the opponents just don't seem to be able to match that energy in the third quarter like they can in the first.
0: John Cannon is our guest. We're talking uh, Warriors-Cavaliers and the Warriors win last night to eliminate the Houston Rockets, who missed 27 straight three-pointers. Let me repeat that. 27 straight three-point shots missed by the Houston Rockets. Live by the three, die by the three. Where are you on that theory, John? Oh, It was ridiculous.
2: And, and the guys on TNT had a really good time with it after the game. And, and just talking about, you know, you go to the rack, eventually you miss, you know, the, talking about the good old days. But if you miss three, then you had to put the ball on the floor after that. You, yeah. had to go, you had to go put the ball up or get fouled or something. And I was listening to a good chunk of that quarter on the radio. And it just so I wasn't tracking it like you do on TV, but just I just kept thinking, wow, they're missing a lot of threes. <laughs> and, then, and then suddenly the radio guy had the stat of the at that point it was like 20 in a row and then it just kept going and it's like, God, mix in a drive it, it, that's where I really think they just lost their, their minds and Chris Paul would have helped I don't think there's any doubt about it Chris Paul would have made a difference in that game guys, I'm going to tell you and then I'm going to sound like a total homer on this I don't think it would have changed the outcome I think the Warriors were going to do what they needed to do in that game last night to win and if if they had needed to deal with Chris Paul, they've certainly dealt with him in the past and successfully a lot more often than not. So I don't think they were scared of Chris Paul, even with the great effort that he had in game four to, you know, get to get this series, you know, two two and, and really make it, you know, make it seem like, you know, it, it was a series, which it was for games four and five. But I still I don't think it would have changed the outcome, but it would have changed how we got to the outcome because there's no way they would have taken all those three pointers with Chris Paul on the floor.
1: Oh, and I agree with that. I, I think this Warriors team just would have found a way, regardless who was out there, to find a way to get it done. So how do you beat this team? I mean, what what's it going to take? Because I don't think any three of us are going to take Cleveland to win the, the final series. What is it going to take to beat the Warriors as they're currently constructed?
2: Another massive injury. Or two. <laughs> I mean, really. More like two. I, I think that's it. I mean, you really... you. you as long as they're out there as presently constructed, and they've got really three guys who can shoot the ball from anywhere at any time and, and all of them play defense. Curry is playing probably the best defense of his career in that rocket series. He was really locked in on defense. He had a bunch of steals and he was gobbling up those long rebounds. That was the thing about those three pointers guys. Three pointers just create long rebounds. And when you're playing a team that's as devastating in transition as the Warriors are, that's the last thing you want to give them is long rebounds. Make them go 94 feet. Don't give them the first 15. So uh, Curry was really involved in that. And that's what it really comes down to with this team. And people still, to this, to four years into this, they don't understand how good the Warriors are when they're playing hard on defense. Mm-hmm. And how you know, they were, the first year, I know they were number one in, in offense and number one in defense. They've always been number one in offense since then. Their defensive number has moved a little bit, but they've never been worse than, say, I don't know, seventh or eighth in defense in the the league. And I don't even think they've been that bad. I think they've been better than that. And that's the underrated part of what they do. So I would say if you want to beat them, Jim, if you want a real answer to that question, um, or whoever whoever asked me that question, get good shots, be very efficient with your shots, because the missed shots, especially missed threes, are going to create opportunities in transition. You want to certainly slow the game down. You want to give them fewer possessions. You want to take shots in close, even though they're only two-pointers, because your risk is lower if you miss them. And with the team, you know, like the Cavs, they've had a decent chance of getting the offensive rebound and putting it in. So, but only if it bounces right there by the basket. If it bounces 12 feet away from the basket, now that's not a rebound and putback opportunity anymore. So I would look for Cleveland to really pack it in, and obviously, you've got to be really physical with them on defense and make the referees make the calls. You're just going to mug those guys as they try to run through the lane. And that's, that's what Cleveland's always done. It's what has made the series as interesting as they've even been. The first two, obviously, were classics. And then uh, last year was just a, a freak show.
0: John Cannon's our guest here on the Big Talker 1700. Okay, so the Warriors have been installed as a monstrous favorite, and rightfully so. Not sure if you're going to get Kevin Love in Game One on Thursday night, still in concussion protocol. LeBron James is LeBron. We all know one person cannot win a series. In fact, for the Golden State Warriors, it takes four All Stars. To win. And there was questions about which John just talked about in that game last night, and then Kevin Durant exploded in the second half, which is what he is supposed to do. John, can you see this as because of the lack of talent other than LeBron James? Could you see this a four game sweep or do you give Cleveland any chance at all?
2: Well, I, I I certainly think it could be a sweep, but you know, that doesn't mean that the games aren't close. And, you know, people still talk about, boy, they swept the Raptors, and the Raptors went and fired their coach. You know, two of those games went right down the wire.
0: They were buzzer and, and so,
2: Yeah, so there was a sweep, but it wasn't a blowout, you know, series victory. And I, I think that I, – I, I certainly see it being a sweep. I think it'd be an upset if, if Cleveland won a game, except that the Warriors have this habit of kicking one away, you know. And especially – they're used to having home court – so if, you, if you're the home court team and you kick one away, well, you get game five at home. It doesn't really change anything. If you're the road team, now you've got to go on the road for game five. And even if you're up 3-1, if you lose that game now, it's 3-2. You're going back to your last home game in game six, and you better win it. If you don't, you've got to go back for game seven on the road. So they're not used to that. They, they have this, this was the, the first series, the, Cleveland, the, the Houston series that just finished, was the first one in the four years. Where they did not have the first two games at home and home court advantage, and I think they got a little sloppy with that, and it almost cost them, almost cost them the whole series. But they can kick one in this series against Cleveland and have Game Five at home. They'd rather clinch, you know, really, uh, if if you ask them without a microphone running, they'd rather clinch Game Five at home than clinch Game Four on the road any day of the week. John, so no, I I (laughs) want to jump. I don't see Cleveland (laughs) doing anything in this series, but guys. You know, maybe they turn these young guys loose, you know, these guys that haven't played that much and, and there's nothing to lose and get them out, get, you know, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm Ty Lee, Lou, if I don't just do that, just LeBron and, and these young guys that are too stupid to understand what they're in the middle of and see if something magical
1: happens. John, with that, I want to jump to the other side. John,
0: it's always interesting when we have you on the show. Now the debate as we get ready for the finals, yes, Uh, now the debate as we get ready for the finals comes down to who is the MVP for the regular season. And I'm sure that it's probably going to go to the beard. Um, I get it. He had a terrific year. But all everybody talks about is the greatest player on the planet today is in cleveland so why does that that happen to jordan barkley uh won a mvp uh when jordan was playing it as well why why does that happen do people just get tired of voting for the best player
2: they i think they really do and it's terrible that they do but people have short attention spans i mean i want to throw a political example in here the 2000 presidential election which really changed the world. I mean, it really changed the world. When you look at the war in Iraq and climate change and all the things that when you look back, the difference between having Al Gore and George Bush as the president, it, you could can, can say it was for the good or bad. I'm not going to get in that discussion, but it changed the world. And yes. while that was at the Florida Supreme Court, you had people saying, look, just get an over. Just pick one. Just pick one. <laughs> was like, yeah. They didn't have the patience to wait to see who was going to be president of the United States. So how are they going to have the patience to just year after year vote for LeBron James as the MVP when clearly he is the best player most of the time? Now I would say that at least one of those two years that Steph Curry won it and probably the year he was unanimous, I think he deserved it. He was changing the game in a way that LeBron had changed the game before. Well, Curry was changing mm-hmm. it to something else. So mm-hmm. I would argue that. I, I've never been a Harden guy but I was never. I wasn't a Westbrook guy. I didn't think Westbrook should have been the MVP last year. I think the MVP is a guy who lifts his team and Harden lifted his team after Chris Paul got there. <laughs> you know, until Chris Paul got there, Harden couldn't lift the team. He is, I think, I mean he played better defense this year than he has in the past but he's a one-way player. He needs a lot of help from the officials to do what he does. He needs to have these fake fouls where he's at the three-point line and Suddenly, he's getting three three free throws because somebody bumped into him, or he drives and he travels and they give him free throws for that. I mean, I just I'm not a believer in him as the MVP. I would I would definitely vote for LeBron this year. I don't I don't think there's even a conversation.
1: And, and what LeBron's doing, and I want to get your just your thoughts on this, John, because you know what the debate devol- all revolves into. It's MJ versus LeBron, who's better? Right. Now, one thing that I've just been talking about today is. Enjoying what we're seeing here. This is yes. a generational talent. Enjoy what you're seeing out there with LeBron. The hate, I I just don't get it. It drives me crazy.
2: You are going to get kicked out of Sports Talk Radio. man. I,
1: I know. I know. I am.
2: That kind of <laughs> attitude. That is not going to cut it. Um, okay. Yes. And that, that would be great. And, again, this goes back to my, my issue with the attention span of the, uh, you know, I would say the American public, but it's really the world at large at this point. Social media has really... And electronics have not helped this, But um, people do want to tear down people after they build them up. And LeBron is on the downside of that cycle. But here's the the God's honest truth. No one's ever played the game like he does it, including Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan, we need to remember a couple things. Number one, he never had to carry a team like LeBron's had to carry. And not just this year, but a lot of years. He's gotten to the finals with teams that people were shaking their heads. Now, he's always been in the East. The East has not been that good, which, you know, I don't honestly remember. I know the Pistons were good, but I don't know who else was good in the in the time that uh, Jordan was going to the with the Bulls to the finals all the time. Knicks were okay, but, you know, it, that kind of thing is cyclical. I believe that LeBron is showing, and this year he's showing it again, that he is the best player of all time as much as you can compare across generations. And... The example I use for people is go to YouTube and look at some Bill Russell highlights and look at this guy, grab a rebound with one hand, dribble the ball the length of the floor and dunk it. He did that all the time. <laughs> he was like six, nine, but he was like a velociraptor. It was like four strides and he was across the floor. And so how do you say that, that now LeBron James is better than him? Well, if you, you go statistically and obviously Russell wasn't the shooter, that, that, that wasn't his role. That wasn't what they needed. So you can't really compare. But I can say, and I saw them both, I'm old enough, that Jordan didn't have to do what Le- LeBron James has to do. And Jordan had two years of a break. Let's not forget that. Well, like a year and a half of break, but that second year they didn't you know, go into the playoffs deep. So he's had time off to recharge for those second three years of championships. LeBron's never had that. Eight years in a row in the finals. I mean, it's amazing. You look at the Warriors who are – Almost falling apart, guys, because of the pressure of all these years in a row that they've gone to the finals, LeBron's been there twice as long. So I, he's my guy. If you if you made me okay. if you pin me down and said I gotta pick one guy, greatest player of all time in basketball, LeBron's my guy.
0: Fair enough. I always go with uh, with three guys and it's LeBron, MJ, and Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, the most dominant force to ever play in the NBA, uh, just that people never saw him because it was so long ago. But from well, right, the but Jimmy, the other thing about
2: Walt is, yeah. you know, when you, um, when you assign, and again, this is today's metric is championships, right? And and Walt won a couple, but
0: he, yeah, he did. Yeah.
2: He, he was owned by Bill Russell. Bill Russell had a, a three room penthouse apartment in Chamberlain's Dome.
0: Well, let me just let me just let me just argue that uh, briefly, because on that Bill Russell led team, I think about nine of the guys on that team are in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And then when Chamberlain had help finally in Philadelphia with the likes of Lucius Jackson, uh, Hal Greer, uh, Cunningham. Then they went and they took it to Russell Celtics and won the championship that 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 year. I get where you're going with that, but once again, but once again, Chamberlain Chamberlain never had the All Stars around him that Bill Russell did.
2: Right. Later in his career, he had Weston and, and Baylor, but Baylor was really that is at the end of the, of the road,
0: into the was, career, was and they and they set so, yes, and I, they set I, I will, the record for 33 that. wins,
2: and certainly yeah. the fact that. The, Chamberlain was a freak in, in a way freak. that even yes. Russell was not. Um, yes. But then, what do you what do you do with Karina? I told you Abdul Jabbar, though, Jimmy? I mean,
0: I, I, it's a, it's you know. a struggle, pal. It's it's a it's a it's, a, yeah. it's an absolute freaking struggle be, because of the greatness. But people these days, because the way the NBA is now played, they don't think of centers in that context. It's got to be a guard or a forward. And because centers in today's game really don't exist much anymore. I mean, true centers. Oh, and, and the, you know, you just talked about basket. Russell being. Y- yes, you talk about Russell being a freak athlete, how he could rebound and take off and go. Chamberlain was the same way. Same way you couldn't stop the guy. He played every minute of every game, never fouled out of a game. Uh, he anchored a team that won 33 in a row in the NBA, and then that year won the championship again with the, with the Lakers. I mean, Russell's Russell's stats, 11 NBA titles speaks for itself, and it always cracks me up, John. And you, I would like your opinion on this, where people are trying to sell you Jordan. Well, he won six. Well, they never talk about how he never got the Washington Wizards to the uh, to the playoffs. He never did that. Okay, and right. then when you say, "Well, Bill Russell won eleven titles," so in Bill Russell's eyes, Jordan's a nobody. He only won six.
2: Right, and and in a day when travel was tougher, and yes. and, the, the, and the social environment was tougher, and yes. you know, being a, a, a team full of black players in Boston was not easy, and Russell was dealing with right. that in the middle of. Uh, can you imagine, you know, as much as Jordan stayed away from the, the social justice issues just of his day, can you imagine him trying to play in the 60s? It's right. unfathomable With the middle of all that. So, yes, it's, it's great for, for conversation. And, and where I would say LeBron has everybody is that when you look at the breadth of what he does on the basketball court, from shooting three-pointers all the way in mm-hmm. and under the basket uh, on offense and defense, and out in transition i mean he really does everything that anyone can do on the basketball court right now and he may, he he's not the absolute best shooter in the league but he shoots well enough he may he's not the absolute best rebounder but he rebounds well enough i mean he does all of those things at such at an all-star level maybe not the very best in the league but in the conversation of the, of the top 5 or 10 in every single thing you can do in basketball and he's a savant he understands the game at a level that's frustrating for his teammates because they don't see it like he does. It's difficult for them. He, he's not the kind of player like Curry is who just brings joy and everyone's happy and plays better because they're happy. He's difficult to play with because he sees the court so clearly, and when you don't, he, he, can, he can make it uncomfortable for you.
1: Much like, he's a great player. Much like Michael Jordan was. But not yep. the same well, kind Mike of Michael,
2: Except he doesn't hit people, which <laughs> right. I think is better. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is a good thing. And we'll get you and here's
2: the other thing, guys. One more thing. Michael Jordan,
1: off the court,
2: was a train wreck. In the 90s, nobody knew it, and nobody cared until the very end, and people started to find out more about him. What here's a guy, LeBron James, who has lived in the public eye since he was in high school. And oh. the only thing he'd ever done wrong was that stupid TV show. Yep. There's nothing else the guy's ever done wrong. And, and still people hate him. I, I'm with you, Trent. I don't get it either.
1: The hate has gone too far. Well, before we get out of here, your official prediction, Warriors in four with the sweep or Warriors in five, what do you got?
2: I'm going to say Warriors in five. They call it the gentleman's sweep, uh, gives them a chance to kick the thing around, give, give Cleveland a game, and, and then they still win it at home.
1: There it is, John Cannon, oh, his yeah. prediction is on the books. John, good talking with you again. I'm sure we'll do it a time or two before these finals wrap up.
2: I hope so. Thanks, guys.
1: Yep, we'll see you, John Cannon, checking in with us. Jimmy B, we still got a couple of days before our official predictions, but mm-hmm. I think I know the the route that both of us are, are heading right now.
0: <laughs> I think it's pretty safe to say. Yeah. Um, I mean there's there's such a a difference in talent level uh between the two teams and it's it's not even close. And it's too bad because we would have hoped that we might have gotten a seven game or at least a six game series out of this and I don't think that's going to be the case, friend. I really don't.
1: Not looking good. Well, we'll come back on nope. the other side. We got high school baseball tonight. Incity Centennial hosting Southeast. We got the head coach Mark Hay from Incity Centennial. He's going to be stopping by, and then we'll put a cap on things. What we're looking for tonight. We'll do it next here. On Jimmy B and TC. All right, welcome back once again. Coming up this evening, our high school game of the week in the baseball rank. is We are in week number two of the young season. Joining us right now, the head man for Ankeny Centennial. Jaguars off to a nice start this year. It's Mark Hay. What's going on, Coach? Good to talk with you again.
3: It's nice to talk to you, Trent.
1: Looking forward to, well, well, first of all, getting up to Ankeny and, and the new ball field, and I was talking uh, last week when we were setting the schedule for this week, I got told you got air conditioning up in the press box?
3: Yeah, they don't let me up there, so I'm not sure, <laughs> I, I've heard that too. So.
1: <laughs> I, I like that, so so Tom says you gotta stay away, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, I'
3: <laughs> will well, make it messy.
1: Well, the facilities uh, always outstanding across the CIML, and baseball, you know, sometimes takes a little bit of a backseat from what you see on the football fields or or in the gyms and basketball. But uh, tell us a little bit about the the new digs that you guys are playing on now.
3: Our our district has done a great job. They um, it, it's an it's an excellent facility. I don't if you've ever been to uh, Ankeny High School's facility. It's very similar um, to that, and uh, you know they put a lot of money into it and, and have done a, a really nice job.
1: So uh, with that, we get ready for the games tonight, and uh, Game 1, of course, 5 o'clock doubleheader, about 7 o'clock for the second game. Let's talk a little bit about your squad, what uh, you guys have uh, had going on this season. Give us a few names that uh, people should keep their eye out for this evening.
3: Well, we're really inexperienced, you know, we had 16 uh, seniors graduate from us last year, so uh, just about every kid we have is, has had limited uh, varsity experience up to this point, but uh, uh, we've got some seniors that have, have really stepped up and showed some great leadership. Um, uh, one you'll probably see tonight is, uh, Noah Stober, uh, who's an outfielder and a pitcher for us. And, uh, Grayson Jennings is a, is an outfielder for us. Um, Luke Loney, uh, does a nice job. He'll probably be in the outfield, uh, for us tonight. Connor Kesterson is a, is a nice hitting first baseman in, in DH for us. So, um, you know, we've, uh, like I said, they've shown, those seniors have shown great leadership and, and um, they've really, uh, really helped some of the young guys uh, learn learn what it's like at this level.
1: With that, Coach, uh, very hot out there. and You go from not having a spring and battling snow and everything else to, to what the weather has been here you know, early in the season. How, how much can that take out of the kids playing and the kind of heat we're going to be seeing here at least through this week?
3: Well, I think it takes a lot more out of me than it does the kids. You know, kids are, are pretty resilient, but uh, but you know we'll we'll probably start about fourteen kids tonight. We're still trying to um, play around with the lineup a little bit and give some kids some opportunities and and um, and see what they can do. So uh, you know, there won't be a whole lot of them that will will play both ends of the doubleheader. But but it really does. We have to we have to be conscious of that all weekend uh, and making sure they're staying hydrated and and staying hydrated during the game
1: tonight. Well, you look on the other side, and certainly a program that you know a lot about, but different direction after uh, Scott Belger, the longtime head coach at Southeast Polk. Moving on, and uh, new coach there, and Dave Hartman. Coach Hartman, though, I'm sure you know a little bit about him from his days as an assistant under honor uh, Scotty, so probably not a whole lot of difference when uh, you see the Southeast Polk team. Well, I
3: wouldn't expect a whole lot of difference. I know um, Dave uh, was, was very... Uh, instrumental in in what Scott did, and Scott obviously just uh, an outstanding coach for for many many years, and uh, has moved on to the administration um, side. But um, great program, great athletes. Um, they can always hit the ball. They can always pitch the ball. Um, you know, so we we know we we're, we're going to have our hands full tonight.
1: You know, Coach the the depth of the CIML game after game, the double headers that you guys play. Just you have to be ready each and every night. You love to play the best. You love to play, I'm sure, in a conference like this. But over the course of a baseball season, where everything is so compressed, does it get difficult? Just probably having enough arms that you know each and every night, you got to have a bunch of guys ready to go.
3: Uh, I think you're exactly right. I think I think in the long run, it really helps uh, teams in CIML that you you're almost playing a state tournament uh, level game every night that you that you take the field and. Um, there's going to be games where maybe you're a little bit depleted, and, and you might um, be throwing a pitcher who who might not be ready yet, or um, you know might be on a little shorter rest than we'd we'd like to give them. And and sometimes uh, you you're going to take some losses, but I I think that um, convincing your kids that um, that's that's just part of uh, being in this kind of a competitive league, and uh, and not to take those losses um, for more than what they really are, and just try to come back and. And worry about what you can control, and take every day uh, as a new day.
1: Coach, you uh, mentioned a couple of guys to keep an eye out for. Uh, one of them that I was taking a look at some things was Stefan Stockwell, and he's moving on playing collegiately at Culver Stockton College. What was that mm-hmm. connection?
3: I think Stockwell Stockton. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not re- he, he went down there, and, and uh, he, he went to a, a showcase down there and tried out for them, and, and they really liked what they saw. He's a, He's a, a nice left-hand pitcher. He's got his velocity up quite a bit this year and, and uh, has uh, has really three pitches he can throw for strikes and throws them very well.
1: Got one final thing for you as we're talking with Mark A., the head coach for Ankeny Centennial, getting ready for our game of the week coming up tonight. Ankeny Centennial in Southeast Polk, Game 2 of that doubleheader this evening about seven o'clock with the first pitch coach. uh, You know, as, as you go through, I was talking to somebody that does uh, high school baseball down in Texas. Now we have it right. We play it in the summer. We're not like, you know, our our neighbors around us that have to play summer baseball during the spring. I love the way it's set up, but, they play series when you get to the playoffs, when you get into regional and, and uh, district play, they play series. Is that something you'd like us to see in the state of Iowa? Or do you like the one and done that we get each and every year uh, when we get to the tournament time?
3: Well, that's kind of a tough question. Cause I know there's, there's an awful lot of problems with, with having series. Uh, the, the umpiring might be kind of tough for the state to be able to schedule if we went to uh, those types of the tournament format and, and the, the, you know, when you look especially at the 1A schools and and field usage and availability might be a little bit difficult um, for the association. But, but I think baseball is one of those sports that, um, you know, a pitcher can make a big difference. And, and so you can have a team who doesn't have a, a great record, maybe not a great team, but they've got a great pitcher. Uh, and that can make a big difference in, in a postseason um, run. So... You know, I, I, I always think series uh, in baseball probably is the, the way to go. I just don't know how practical uh, it would be to head that way.
1: It would be tough, there, there's no doubt. And, and more times than not, yeah, you get upsets that happen seemingly each and every year. A lot of times that cream rises to the top and Anken Centennial. One of those teams seemingly each and every year. Coach, looking forward to it tonight. Excited to check out the new field and uh, watch some good baseball this evening. Thanks for your time. No, thank you for having me. So high school baseball back on the airwaves once again, getting excited for it tonight as we have Ankeny Centennial hosting the Southeast Polk Rams, two very successful programs throughout the years, and uh, Southeast Polk, they come in at number nine in the first rankings of the season. Johnston, they're at number one in Class 4A, followed by Iowa City West, two CIML teams follow them up with Dowling Catholic at three, Urbandale at number four, Waukecha in Indian all at number seven, and their Southeast Poke at number nine. The rankings in Class 4A. Seven o'clock tonight with the first pitch between the Jags and the Rams should be a good one, as always, and always a good rivalry between those two schools. Doesn't matter the sport, you always have that also happening. Looking forward to it coming up this evening. High school baseball. Then on Thursday, more baseball action here on 1700. We'll make our way south down to Norwalk with Des Moines Roosevelt coming to town. Roosevelt in Norwalk. That'll be the game on Thursday evening. We will take the break. High School Baseball on 1700, presented in part by Brick Gentry PC, along with Bennigans on Merle Hay Road. Proud sponsors of high school baseball and high school sports on 1700 KBGG. So there was Ankeny Centennial head coach Mark Hay getting ready for a little baseball tonight. Jimmy B. And now, I don't know if you were listening uh, during my interview with Coach, but... Akoni Centennial new baseball complex up there, and an air-conditioned press box. Jimmy B, can you believe the luck for your man Trey Condon? I, look, I'm I'm sure
0: that the word on the street from now on, when Condon shows up, air conditioning in that press box for the big star that he is. So I I applaud. What has taken place here for the Ankeny Centennial game tonight with air conditioning in the press box for my boy. It's it's time. I think all the schools now, when you say we're coming over to do the game, refrigeration in that (laughs) press box for T.C.
1: Ah, well, I am very happy about it. I might make my way up to Ankeny a time or two uh, more than normal this year. <laughs> yeah. with, with the new digs <laughs> there. And uh, excited to get out there and, and be seeing that. About 6.45, I'll take the air with the pregame show. 7 o'clock with the first pitch of game two of the doubleheader with Centennial and Southeast Polk. Always a great rivalry. And new uh, new head coach over, one of my favorites, Scott Belger. Uh, he has moved on as he is now an administrator at Southeast Polk schools. So they got a new head coach over there. Uh, one of his former assistants, Dave Hartman, is back leading the Rams. So good rivalry always with Aikini, Centennial, and Southeast Polk should be a good one here on 1700 tonight, Jimmy B. So I'll be out and about. What do you got on the agenda for this evening? No NBA, no hockey, Oh, I know. You, you get a hand off the remote to somebody else. What are you doing over there? No, you- I'm
0: going to dial. I'm going to dial into the Cubs Pittsburgh game. I want right. to see if there's going to be any blowback after mm-hmm. what happened to Diaz, the Pirates catcher at home plate. Just want to see if there's any retribution that takes place against uh, Rizzo with that slide. So uh, I think I'll find that somewhat interesting. Um, and I know that probably on another monitor will be the Minnesota Kansas City game. And uh, is this is this a series where the Twins, in your estimation, can get whole, Trent?
1: Well, it needs to be because they they got a couple of series coming up here in the next couple of weeks against Cleveland. They they started need to they've dug themselves a hole. And and though Cleveland themselves hasn't played great baseball to this point either, you know what what they have coming up. This is a time starting on Thursday. A 4 Gamer against Cleveland. They get the Indians again. Then a couple weeks later, these are the series where you got to take two out of three, maybe even a sweep. And uh, they got Game One yesterday. Now it needs to continue because, hey, it's though it's we're getting ready to flip into June. All these games count, and with the deficit they put themselves in, certainly you got to start winning baseball games and against teams like Kansas City that's playing 333 baseball at this point. Yeah. These are ones you got to get. Helixson's on the bump tonight here, coming up in just a little bit against Baltimore, so always a cursory glance. You know, Helixson, the, uh-huh. the win-loss record doesn't say how good he has been this year. A 2.13 ERA. He doesn't go real deep into games, but he's been excellent for the Nationals. A real good find there at the end. And notice
0: that uh, the Nats are uh, starting to look like the Nats that we thought that they Mm -hmm. would be, too. And all of a sudden, the Dodgers have come around a little bit, and they have clawed their way uh, right back in out west. It's, It's interesting how people freak out because their team, considered to be, say, the top team in the respective divisions, started out badly. And now all, all of a sudden, weather's warmed up a little bit. Guys starting to hit their stride a little better. And we just talked about Washington and Los Angeles. Those two teams now seem that they have turned the corner.
1: Should be a good night of baseball. We got you covered on the high school ranks again here with Ankeny Centennial and Southeast Bowl coming up at 645. Jimmy B, you have a good night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, brother. And we will return, everybody, bright and
0: early, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, right here, On the Big Talker, 1700.